today, it's kind of fitting. I didn't know that we were going to sing Good, Good Father, but it's very, um, it's very uh, fitting that we did. Because I want to talk about something that I think is hard for us to come to grips with, that we don't think that God is good when this happens. And um, it, it's, it's, when we, it's when we face struggles. It's when we face obstacles. It's when we face adversity. You know, I, I'm going to use a lot of different euphemisms for it, but it's all kind of the same. So I mean, like, when you're in the desert. You know, like, a lot of Christians say that. Like, you're in the desert or you're in the wilderness. So I want to talk about that today because I think a lot of times we, um, we misunderstand what's the purpose of it. So I feel like there's one of two groups. We either feel like we're being punished, so that's why we're there. Or two, we feel like that's just what God does to Christians to make them grow, which I also think is not true. So I'm going to tell you a funny story. So when I was growing up, uh, I went to church my whole life. So I was growing up, uh, we were in, we were in uh, youth groups. So I was like in 16 or something, 15. And um, one of my friends, uh, who's now my brother-in-law, that's a crazy story. But anyway, one of my friends, um, he was having like a really good life. And I remember re- there's this bad, this bad theology. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's bad theology. We had bad theology that if your life was going really smooth, it was because you weren't, you weren't, you weren't holy enough or like close enough to God to, uh, to endure hardship. So that's why God was babying you, which is really bad theology. So again, I want to say that right now. <laughs> this is really bad theology. But we were just laughing because he was having a really good life, but we were all struggling. So we were pointing at him, and we were like, hey, like, wow, your life's going so well. Like, man, like, I think you need, like, I think we need to pray for obstacles or trials for you because, like, you're, you're being babied. And I remember he was like, sure, fine, whatever. And then so we literally spent that youth group meeting <laughs> praying that God would give him I'm being so serious. We pray, like, God, give so-and-so trouble. Like, give him, like, opposition. Like, give him, like, like obstacles and, like, trials. And guess what happened? Dude, I think, like, the next week his girlfriend broke up with him. And we were like, so I want you to know right now, God hears. Like, we felt heck of bad. We are like, oh, shoot, bro. I'm so sorry. But it means you're ready. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, that's bad theology. Really bad theology. Don't ever do that. Really bad theology. So I want to speak into that because I do not believe that the presence of trials is a determinant of either you're being punished or because God wants you to grow. I believe that um, God has grace and doesn't punish us every time we screw up, first of all. Thank God. And secondly, on the other side of the spectrum, uh, God doesn't have to give you something bad to make you grow. I think God would rather give you good things and then have you grow too. Like, that, like that's a win-win, don't you think? Like, so God doesn't have to do something negative to, like, make you, like, mourn and, like, oh, now I need Jesus. Like, we always think of Job. Like, there are plenty of people in the Bible who grew in wisdom and, like, and knowledge of God without being punished, like Solomon. So I just don't want you to think that, okay? So I want to really speak truth into that area because I feel like maybe a lot of you guys are going through something right now or all of us are going through something. And I think when we have the right perspective, it's easier to walk through the desert when we know. All right? So, oh, Lord, forgive me. I don't have my Bible with me, so give me a second. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. So we're going to be in Exodus 16 today. Now, it's a very long passage, but I want you to please stay with me. It's very important, all of it. Okay? So I want to set the scene first before we read it. So Exodus 16 is when um, Moses comes and he saves the Israelite people and he takes them out of slavery in Egypt. They've been slaves for 450 years. So this chapter is literally, I, I'm very careful when I say that, 
is literally right after they get saved by the Red Sea. That famous story, Red Sea parts. Oh my goodness, they walk through. Egyptians are chasing them. They see them. They try to chase them through. Egypt, uh, Israelites get through. Water comes crashing down and kills all the Egyptians. Okay, so this is literally after this amazing event. We come to chapter 16. And to me, this is very important because it's kind of like once the nostalgia of freedom wears off <laughs> or once the newness of it kind of wears off or once, you know, they kind of realize like, oh, okay, the bad guys are dead. Like, we're good. Like, this is kind of when it gets kind of real between their relationship and God, if you know what I mean. So that's why I feel like this is actually a very critical moment in the Israelites and their relationship with God. All right. So here we go. Exodus 16. They set out from Elam. And all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin. Oh. oh, I just realized that. But anyway, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger then the Lord said to Moses behold I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not on the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in it will be twice as much as they gather daily so Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we, that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord for he has heard your grumbling and as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole to the whole congregation of the people of Israel they looked toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud and the Lord said to Moses I've heard the grumbling of the people of Israel say to them at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread then you shall know that I am the Lord your God in the evening quail came up mm, and covered the camp and in the morning dew lay around the camp and when the dew had gone up there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing frosted flakes fine as frost on the ground when the people of Israel saw it they said to one another what is it my joke came too soon frosted flakes for they did not know what it was and Moses said to them it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat this is what the Lord has commanded gather of it each one of you as much as he can eat you shall take in Omer, according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it within Omer, whoever gathered had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, 
a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to keep till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them. And it did not stink. And there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today. For today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find in it the field. You will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out together. But they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. All right. What a story. I know it's a lot. I don't want to recap it because then you'll kill me. Okay. So I want to first address two lies that we feel like, I feel like we have in our minds when we go through a difficult time or when we're faced with a struggle. The first thing we do is we question God. Do you see how the Israelites, what they did? They were so funny. They immediately questioned God and said, God, did you bring us out here to die? That's exactly what they said. That's the first thing they said. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't understand. Okay, but at the same time, I want you to know that it is kind of silly. Because isn't that a silly question? That we ask God, why are you doing this to me? Like, we ask him, like, do you want me to suffer? Like, God, like, I thought you were good. Like, God, why? Why? We always, we always react that way. And you know what's funny? I don't think it's wrong. It's just an initial reaction. But the problem is when we grumble, like the Israelites. Like, when you let it fester, you, like, you let it, like, sit inside of you. And you're like, oh, God, why are you doing this to me? And then the next day, you're like, oh, I still have to deal with this. And I know it's difficult. But I want to tell you the truth about something. The presence of difficulty and struggle is never a reflection of God's goodness. I want you to know that. I'm going to say it one more time. The presence of that difficulty or that struggle is never a reflection of whether God is good or not. Okay? Because, and I can prove it to you. So, uh, so let's say we have an earthly father and, and, and the earthly kids, right? Like, would you say that a, a earthly father is good if he protects his children from everything? Like, like, just puts them in a bubble, like, just, like, bubble wraps them and just, like, makes them stay inside of a house forever and, and never go outside and never face any adversity. Like, oh, you might, get, you might get insulted when you go outside. Someone might kidnap you. Someone might do this. Someone might do that. I'll just wrap you up in a bubble wrap with a helmet on and then, like, ten pairs of sweatpants. And I'll just throw you in this room and I'll feed you when I feed you and then that's what's good. We would never say that. Will we ever say that a good father is one that gives his children everything that they ask for? Like literally everything that they want? You know what term we use for those kids? <laughs> we call them spoiled. <laughs> so, so we already know that that's not a reflection of whether a father is good or not. Because when we see parents who act like that, we don't respect that. Right? But then when it happens to us, we're like, God, I just want to be wrapped in bubble wrap. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense. We, we, in, our, in our minds, I know it's hard in the moment, but I'm saying that you already know the truth. Because you, would, you would never call another father good who acts like that. Do you know what I mean? So I want you to know that that's never a reflection of who God is. Circumstances around you are never a reflection of who God is. What he does for you in those circumstances is, okay? The second thing we do is we question the situation. Now, this one I can understand 
Because I want you to know, I don't like pain. You know those shirts that say, like, no pain, no gain? I'm like, no. No pain means no pain. Like, I don't like pain. Like, I really don't. Like, I'm a wimp. Like, I really hate pain. Like, I really, I just do not like, I'm being so serious. I don't like pain. I really hate it. I really hate it. Like, when I, when I, when I work out, even if I choose to work out, if I can get myself to do it, I hate it so much that I hate pain. I want it to be as intense as possible for as short of amount of time so I can just get benefit and get it over with. That's why I do high intensity because I hate it. I literally hate it. And I want it to be over, but I will still want benefit. So that's literally why I do that. Like, I ain't, I ain't never running a marathon. Are you kidding me? That's like slow death for 25 miles. Like, are you joking? Like, for like four hours? Like, I ain't thinking about that. Heck no. I'd rather throw up five times in 30 minutes and be like, I'm done. Good. Let's go eat. Sorry, that's, that's TMI. But let's move on. So I can understand why if you're in a painful situation, right, it's logical to ask yourself, should I be here? And I want you to know that is a good question. <laughs> you, you're in a painful and difficult situation. You should ask, should I be here? So the, so the Israelites, can we have that verse 16.3? I love it. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Now, I've heard many sermons say, oh, that's like a show of their lack of faith. I, I want to give them credit because I kind of understand their logic. So you got to follow me here. I'm going to die sooner of starvation versus being a slave. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, like, like if I'm in survival mode, I would think that way too. Like, uh, Jesus, um, if I'm going to die of hunger, I'll die in like 30 days or less. But if I'm a slave, like, yo, I, if I can eat, like, I'll survive. Like, it's hard, but I'm going to live. So I actually understand what they're saying. They're saying, uh, God, I'd rather just be a slave for the rest of my life than literally die here without food. So I get that. That's actually logical to me. But I want you to know that even their logic, as logical as it is, is not it's actually not the question you should ask about whether or not you should be where you are if you're in a painful situation. I want you to know something. If you are in a painful situation and you know it's not good, you need to get out. I'm going to say that right now. If you're in an abusive relationship, if you're in, in an abusive situation, if you're being taken advantage of, if you're being threatened, I'm being serious. Don't be a martyr. This is not like, oh, God, you know, God wants me to stay here and, like, preach the gospel to some, somebody here, blah, 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 blah. Unless you literally hear him say that, I want to tell you right now, that's not, what, that's not God's heart for you. You're not a martyr, okay? Don't, don't, don't think that, okay, please. That's not, what, that's not the point of this story. The point of this story is not, God, I'm right or die. Even if I got no food, I'm just going to die for you. Like, I don't think that that's the point of this story. I'm being serious. That's not, that's not the point of this story, okay? So, how do we know that the Israelites were supposed to be in this really, really bad situation? You guys know this answer. Because when I say it, you'll be like, yeah, Jeremy, we heard you say this like 10,000 times. Get a new point to your sermon. The point, we know that they were supposed to be there because the presence of God led them there. I'm going to say that one more time. They knew they were supposed to be in the desert without food only because of one thing. Because literally... Be careful when I say that, but it's, it's true this time. Literally, the presence of God led them there. If you read earlier, you, you know that the God led them out of Egypt through a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. God literally brought them 
to that spot. So let me tell you something. I want you guys to know that the situation that you're in, have confidence that you're meant to bear it if you know that the presence of God led you there and is with you. But I want to also tell you, if he's not, you need to look for him. You're not meant to bear that weight. You're not meant to bear that trial. Because I got, I got news for you. If you bear pain that you were never meant to bear, his grace will not be with you. His provision won't be there because you weren't supposed to be there. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm over here. Now, you know what you're thinking? Jeremy, isn't, isn't Jesus everywhere? Isn't the Holy Spirit everywhere? Yes, yes, yes. He is everywhere. I love you guys. He is everywhere. But... I'm talking about his favor, his provision, where he actually dwells. If, like, it's, it's like going on a mission trip and you went to the wrong country. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's not going to be like, oh, well, since you went to the wrong country, I guess I'm going to change my plans and I'm going to come over here. He's like, what are you doing over there? And you're in the wrong country suffering, like getting mosquito bites and all this stuff. And God's like, uh, you guys took the wrong turn. I'm not there. I'm over here. That's what I'm trying to say. You will not have the grace and the provision and the presence of God in that way if you bear a weight that you were never to bear. And can I tell you guys something? I've made some really bonehead decisions in my life. And I thought at the time, oh, I'm just supposed to bear this. I'm telling you from experience, I was not. God was like, you're a bonehead. You were never supposed to do that. What are you doing? Get out. So I'm speaking from experience, guys. Okay? So please, please, you have to ask the right question. The pain has purpose if the presence of God is there that's the only reason for it that's the only reason for it. that's the only question you ask but if he is then you have to stay okay so I'm going to give you something practical because you're like okay Jeremy that sounds really good but how do I actually like hear that like how do I actually know that so I want you to do three things okay I want you to really really pray and seek his face like, if you're in a painful situation and you're not sure if you're supposed to be there, I need you to really pray as hard as you can and seek his face. Because he promises that those who seek him with all their hearts will find him. Okay? Secondly, you need to get wise counsel. You need to have somebody else pray for you. Because sometimes when you're in it, your perspective is not clear. You need to have someone else pray for you. And I believe the Holy Spirit will speak the same to both of you. Okay? And third thing, again, is to look and see if within you, you have peace. Like, Jason talked about joy. You know, peace is the same. Peace is not dependent on the situation. When I mean peace is like, you feel like, yeah, this is bad, but I know God's here, and, I'm, and he's going to get me through it. I don't know how, but I just know. Like, that's what I'm talking about. If you have that peace that surpasses understanding, that's that grace that I'm talking about. If you feel that, then yes, okay, then stay there. But seriously, guys, no pain, no pain. God, God don't want you to go through pain. Like, I'm being serious. He, he does not waste pain for the sake of it. He only does it when it's necessary for his glory and for yours. Okay, so don't ever think that God just wants you to endure unnecessary wilderness. Okay, so now the rest of the sermon is about the good that happens when you're called to that difficult place. You guys ready for that? Let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the good stuff. What does God do when I'm there? When he calls me into this crazy situation in the middle of a desert with no food. Isn't that kind of crazy? God literally saved them. And you know, it's an interesting question. Why didn't God just like beam them up to the, to, to, to the promised land? Like he could have just been like, okay, you guys are there. Right? Or he could have put the promised land conveniently right after the Red Sea. 
but he's like, uh, you took us the route through the sea that leads to the desert. Why don't you take us the route through the sea that led to the promised land? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, that's not much of a victory dance. Like, oh, we won. And then, like, can you imagine, like, you had this great victory and you're jumping up and down because all your enemies are dead. And you look around and you're like, yeah, we're in the middle of the desert. <laughs> you, you, you don't even have food to celebrate. You're like, woohoo! Uh, <laughs> does anyone have any water? <laughs> Like, it's kind of a crappy situation to be serious with you guys. So I can kind of understand, like, uh, this doesn't really feel like a victory right now, God. Like, uh, you kind of set us up to fail. Do you guys ever feel that way where God set you up to fail? Well, I got good news for you. There are three. So pain is, is something very interesting. You know, I read the story of Tony Dungy. And his son, his son is very interesting because his son actually does not have pain receptors. He has this rare disease where he doesn't have pain receptors. And you would think that that's actually a good thing. But you know what's funny? Tony Dungy shares how through observing his son, how someone lives without pain receptors, how actually it was very dangerous and actually very hurtful for his life. He did not have any idea of what was dangerous or bad. He would just be like, he has no idea because he, no, he has no gauge for it. And secondly, he doesn't know when he's in danger because he can't feel anything. So he has no idea what is dangerous, and he has no idea when he's come into danger himself. I want you to know, pain is, is hard. I know that. Struggles are hard. But there are very three special things that I want to share with you today that only happen in the wilderness. There are special blessings that only get released in the wilderness. You guys ready for that? Let's do this. First one. This is the hardest one. I want you to be honest. When you go in the wilderness, it's a reality check. When the S hits the fan, it's a reality check. I'm, I'm being serious. Like, it's really easy when things are going good to act like things are going good, right? It's really easy to act like you got everything together when it is put together. It's really easy to act like you're solid and your faith is rock solid when everything is going good. I'm going to tell you right now, when the house is burning down, that's a reality check. When there's no money in the bank, like literally, that's a reality check. When, when God took away all your relationships and you have no one, that's a reality check. That's when you actually see yourself more clear than you've ever seen yourself before. Your emotions will tell you what you're really, think what you're really feeling, what you're really thinking. Why are you anxious? Maybe it's because you don't trust God as much as you thought you did. Why are you angry? Maybe because you don't think he's as good as you thought you thought he was. Why, 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 why are you impatient for him to provide? Maybe it's because you don't trust him like you thought you did. You know, when, 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 when the pressure gets tight and the temperature in the room rises, that's when you see who, who people really are. That's when people's true character comes out. It's easy to see someone when it's going good. You know a real man and a real woman when you see them in the fire. When you see them under fire. That's when you see real characters show up. And it's a good thing. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys. God doesn't want us to live in like not reality. He wants you to know where you really are too. He wants you to know where your faith really is. Where your trust really is. What do you really trust more than him? You can't see it unless it actually comes out of your own mouth. You can't see it unless you actually act on it. And you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I, I see it now. It's a blessing. It's a mirror, guys. When you go through the wilderness, 
you will see yourself so clearly like you've never seen before. I know it's hard, but, but it brings out all the things that God actually wants to heal. It can't come out when it's in a good situation. It comes out when it's all stripped down. But that's a blessing to know your weaknesses and then to be able to ask God to come into that space. So that's the first one. It's a reality check. Can we go to the verse that shows the reality check? It's verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and uh, shall go out. My bad, that says father. I must have been thinking about Father's Day. Shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. That's so bad. <laughs> Forgive me, Father. You know I, I wrote this last night. Anyway, so <laughs> that I may test them. That I may test them. You know what's funny? We think God tests us for him. I got news for you. God don't test you for him. He really knows how you're going to do on the test. He tests you so that you know what you know. <laughs> Teachers on earth have to test you to figure out what you know. <laughs> but let me tell you something. God tests you and just gives it right back to you. He says, look at your, look at your score. Look at your score. It's for you to know. Uh, I don't think you knew physics as good as you did. <laughs> I don't think you really studied biology. You guys get what I'm saying? It's for us to know. It's for us to know. God already knows. <laughs> so he said, I'm going to put bread out. You notice how he only put just enough for one day. Why is that? Because he wanted to know their faith. You know what's funny? There's two groups of people how they failed the test. There's a group of people who gathered extra. They're like, oh, I don't know this is going to come tomorrow. They're like, let's go. They just put as much as they could in the basket. I'm like that. If it's free, yo, I'm Chinese. You guys don't even know. If it's free, I'll be taking stuff I don't even need. I'll be like, I don't even like bread. Like, oh, bread is free though? Okay, I'll take it. Like, I just want it and just like sits in my house like, what the heck? You don't even eat bread, like sliced bread. Chinese people, I tell you right now, you put up a free sign, it's gone. They don't even need it. They don't even need it. They just want it. Ugh. Forgive us, Lord. So, so I want to know, are you guys like that? You're like, I don't know, man. I don't know. God, I don't, my, my faith's not too good right now. So he tests, see how that bread tested them? Do you not have enough faith that God's going to show up? This is the second group of people. I love this group of people. The people that showed up on Sunday when he told them, don't show up on Sunday. So he said, he said Saturday, right? Or actually, technically, Sabbath is on Saturday, FYI. So Friday, he said, gather enough for two days, okay? And don't go out Saturday because nothing will come. Those people are hilarious. Those are the Chinese people probably. They're like, yo, yo, it might be here. And if they're all staying inside, I got no competition. I'm going to grab as much free stuff as I want. So they still went out on the Sabbath. And, like, God was so annoyed. Like, I understand. God was like, did you not listen to what I just said? I just told you it won't be here. It's like all these people wandering around like, God, where's the bread? God, where's the bread? Why did they go out on, on, on Saturday? Because they felt like what they felt like they didn't get enough on Friday. They felt like in Omer's not enough, God. I'm, I'm hungry. I, I just want, I just want, I want seconds. I want thirds. I just want a little more. Is that so bad? You can just go out and get some more. Get some seconds. You're God, right? It doesn't cost you anything. Just throw some more Frosted Flakes down. Just give me some. Right? Are you guys like that too? 
do you, do you not think that what you have right now is enough? So you're always asking God, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? But maybe the answer, God said, I already gave it to you yesterday. I'm going to say that one more time. Maybe God is saying, I already gave it to you yesterday. What you have in your lot right now in your life is enough. You don't need to go out looking for more. I told you that yesterday's was enough for today too. Those are two groups of people. I hope you guys, you know, just to be real, and if you're one of those people, it's okay. God has grace. But I just want you to know, that's the reality check. How you respond to the test shows where the lack of faith is, all right? So it's a, I feel kind of bad because I told you guys the first, the, the, the first, the three things were good things. The first one didn't sound like a good thing, the reality check and the test. My bad. The next two are good, I promise. I'm so sorry. That sounded so bad. So the other thing, and this is my favorite point today, is that when you're in the wilderness, you're about to see a miracle. I'm going to say that one more time. When you're in the wilderness, you're about to see a miracle. And I'm going to define miracle for you because I think a lot of times we don't know what miracle means. We think miracle is like like magic like something crazy happens right like whoa whoa like like we think it's like healings or like or like you know um someone coming back from the dead or like demons being casted out or i don't know what you guys think of miracles are but we think it's like this grandiose thing and it is that but i think it's more than that i'm gonna tell you right now the definition of a miracle is anytime god moves i'm gonna say that one more time a miracle is anytime god moves because when God moves, he is doing something that only he can do. That's a miracle, period. That's automatically supernatural. Do you guys get what I'm saying? If he moves, no matter what he's doing, no matter what he's saying, that's a miracle. So do not belittle the miracles that God does in your life. You might be like, oh, well, yeah, God, I only got that prophetic word when I came on Sunday, you know, but it didn't change my situation. That's not a miracle. You sure? Are you sure about that? You don't think that's a miracle? Oh, yeah, God, you know, I just, you know, got this, you know, I feel okay, but, you know, I don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't think that peace he gave you was a miracle? You know that friend that all of a sudden just calls you out of nowhere? You don't think God brought that person to you? You don't think that's a miracle? We, we, we belittle what God does because it's not big enough for us. We, when we call it a move of God or a miracle. Let me tell you something again. Anytime God moves or gives you a word, anytime he does anything because it is him it's automatically supernatural. It's automatically a miracle. We need to open our eyes to see how God is moving for us. You, do you know what the Israelites could have done? I would have done this. Just quail? I, I'm a pescatarian. I, I mean, I don't eat that. But we're, we're the vegetables. God, you know what? God didn't give them a choice. He didn't, he, he didn't say, oh, what do you guys want? Order right now. It wasn't Burger King. It wasn't have it your way. God, God gave them a miracle, though. But do you see how we belittle his miracle? Oh, it's just quail. Oh, and the next day, oh, it's quail again. Oh, oh, God, let me guess what you're going to bring tomorrow. Oh, it's quail again. They ate it for 40 years. But I want you to know, isn't that so easy to just belittle what God does? Oh, yeah, I've only had my husband with me for 40 years. <laughs> I kind of need something else right now, God. I, I, need, I need more friends than that, you know. Uh, I only had this job for blah, blah, blah. It doesn't even pay that well, though. So, I mean, I need something else. I don't know. I don't know, guys. 
It's interesting, isn't it? When it comes so easily, sometimes we don't think it's a miracle. <laughs> you know, I ate the same thing for 40 years. I don't know, guys. I want you guys to be excited because when you're in the wilderness, you're about to see a miracle. But at the same time, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss the gravity of it when he moves on your behalf. You're about to see a miracle. I want you guys to know he brings you into the wilderness so he could tell you who he is. He could do something for you that he's never done before. You can't have victory without a battle. You can't overcome without a struggle. You guys get what I'm saying? He's, he, he wants to do a miracle in you. He can't do a miracle for you if your life's already good. <laughs> you're, like, you're like sitting in your like mansion with like, like everything that you want. Like how can God do a miracle for you? Oh, I guess give me more food. Whoa, that doesn't make any sense, right? Oh, give me more money. Oh, give me more like prosperity. Give me more comfort. It doesn't make any sense. He can't move on your behalf when it's already cush. It's a blessing because in that moment, when you're in it, be, believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're about to see him move. He will move on your behalf. Believe that, okay? Now the last thing, and I kind of already let the cat out the bag a little bit, but I got to say it again. To me, the biggest blessing that you get when you're in the wilderness is you see him like you've never seen him before. I'm going to say that one more time. When you're in the wilderness, the biggest blessing you get is you get to see him like you've never seen him before. Kind of the last verse, 16, 12. This is the Lord speaking. He said, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat. and In the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know. Right here. This is the whole point. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. I want you guys to know something. The whole purpose of everything that God does is so that you know him better. This is it's all about relationship, guys. It is all about relationship. It's all about you seeing his glory and knowing who he is. It's all about relationship. He wants you to know him deeper, greater than before. He is all about relationship. He sent Jesus to come, to die. Why? Not to remove your sin. To bring you back home. It was for relationship. Why does he put you in the wilderness? So that you can see him in a way that you've never seen before. You know, I've, if you think about your, all your friendships, what are the friendships that mean the most to you? It's not the ones where you guys just have fun all the time. I don't want fun friend. Fun friend is easy. Fun friend just comes when it's easy. Fun friend is just here and there and just leaves. Fun friend is whatever. You know who my closest friends are? And you guys know this too. It's the ones that go through the crap with you. It's the ones that suffer with you, that fight with you, that go through the mud with you. And then you come out on top and you guys can celebrate together. That's where real friendship is born. That's where real relationship and intimacy is born. It's born through adversity. It's born through suffering together and triumphing together. Fun friend is whatever. God doesn't want to be fun God. Oh, fun God, fun God, yeah. That's Santa Claus, y'all. You guys realize that? Fun God is Santa Claus. I don't need Santa Claus to save me from my sin. I need Jesus who understands the suffering that I went through and will take me through it because he's been through it. You guys get that? I don't need Santa Claus. I need Jesus. And what God wants to do is the same thing. Just like your earthly relationships. He wants 
to be that for you too. But he can't, and you won't know him as that or honor him as that or recognize him as that unless you go through something tough with him. You won't have that intimacy with him unless you go through it together. That's where real intimacy and trust and love is born out of. It's born out of these moments. It's born out of these moments when it's so hard and you have no one but him. And then you'll see him in a light that you've never seen him before. Then you'll understand his love like you've never understood it before. Then you'll understand his provision and his faithfulness for you like you've never understood it before. And that's the blessing. So I'm going to wrap this up. If, um, if I could have worship team come back up. You know, you know, again, I want to just reiterate that I don't think suffering comes because you're being punished, though that can be a possibility. And I don't think suffering comes because God is just saying he's got to find a way to make you grow closer. But I want you to know it's a blessing. There's no other reason than that. I want us to turn our perspective to see this moment as a blessing. And you know, I have to talk about the Warriors because they lost. My boy Kevin in the house. I love you, Kevin. You know why? You didn't text me because you knew I was crying. I appreciate that. <laughs> he's a Raptor fan. I'm just playing it. He's just a, he's just a warrior hater. And you know, I, I, I thought about how Steph Curry must have felt. He saw KD go down, then he saw Clay go down. And I remember Steph, when he saw Clay go down, he slammed the ball on the ground and he knelt down with his head between his knees. And I thought to myself, man, God, what is Steph Curry thinking right now? Really, I really thought about that. I thought about adversity. And you know, one of my friends, he texted me during the game. A very interesting text he said. This, this is before they lost, okay? He texted me a very interesting thing. He said, I'm actually kind of glad they went down. Not, not, not because I want them to be hurt, but he said, because now this moment is for Steph Curry's greatness to shine. I want you guys to know something. When you're down for the count, when you feel like everything is lost, God is saying, my son, my daughter, this is your moment. I'm about to do something great in your life if you believe. I'm going to say that one more time. Even though Steph Curry missed the shot, I want you to know, if you're with Jesus, you ain't going to miss that shot. Steph Curry, you know I love you, bro, but come on. Anyway, in that moment when everything is gone and you feel like I got nothing, do you realize how when God strips it all down, it's a moment of greatness for you and the Lord together. It's a moment when he says, you just watch what I'm about to do. Because when it's all going down and there's only one way out and it's just you, and when you come out on top, when I give you that victory, everyone will know it was me and you. It was me and you together. I want you guys to know when you're in the wilderness, it's a moment, an opportunity. It is your chance. Your, your moment for greatness. I mean that. It's your moment for greatness. Don't shy away from it. Don't say, take me out of the game, God. I don't want it. It's too much. It's too heavy. I don't want it. I know it's hard. I never said it wasn't. But that's what greatness is, isn't it? Greatness is not when you have five all-stars on the team, even though we won two championships. <laughs> that's not greatness. Greatness is when 
it's all stripped down. And you and God and the Lord says, I'm going to bring you out. God is saying, you are blessed because I'm about to release my greatness into your life right now. Anyone right now in this room, I want you to believe that with all your heart right now. That's the word of the Lord for you today. What I want you to get out of this is a shift of your perspective. That if you're going through a hard time, I understand. But I feel like the Lord is asking you to let go of your fear and let go of your resentment against Him. And to turn your eyes to Him and know that this is a blessing because He's about to release His greatness upon your life right now. Would you believe that with all your heart? Just close your eyes right now and just interact with God. If you're going through a hard time right now, I just want you to give that up to God right now. Release your fear. Release your resentment and your bitterness. Why, God, did you do this to me? Why did this have to happen to me? Why? Did I deserve this, God? He's saying no. Or you're scared. God, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen, God. I don't know if I can get through this, God. I don't know if I have money for tomorrow, God. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, God. I understand. But I want you to change your perspective and say, God, I choose to believe in faith that this is a moment for your greatness to show up in my life. That this is an opportunity. This is a blessing. Because I will see the move of God. I will see a miracle in my very life right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you stir up faith in every heart right now. That they would not fear or be bitter, but that they would have faith to know that this is a blessing from you. Why? Because they will see your miracle. They will see you move. And they will see your glory and your face, God. Your glorious face like they've never seen before. And that only comes in this moment. And that they will experience greatness. Greatness. And greatness from you when all else is stripped away. Lord, give us the faith to believe that. Give us the faith to believe that.